Welcome back to the Cycling Tips Podcast, everybody. It's Monday, November 7th. I'm Kaylee Fretz. Uh, <laughs> if, if we sound like we're already off the deep end, uh, Johnny Long, where are you? What do you, uh, what do you, what's going on over there? What's still, what's, what's happening? So I'll start, I'll start more generally and then zoom it down to my exact location. So I'm currently in Barcelona. I'm here for a friend's birthday who's doing some study abroad stuff. Uh, so on Monday, you know, I didn't, didn't really fancy a Sunday flight home. So I was like, oh, I'll just work from, work from Barcelona on the Monday. There's a co-working space I can go to. I sat myself down in the co-working space. I logged on with all of you guys. You're all sort of grinning and looking like, is he for real? As I try and podcast with a bunch of people, like having phone calls directly behind me on our Google call. I've then, I then spotted a little booth. So I was like, that's perfect for the, for the podcast. I, I walk in here. It look, it's very weird. It's like tall green panels. But then right in front of me. It looks like you're in a sound booth. looks like I'm in a sound yeah. booth. Looks, now it looks really professional. But then I look ahead and it's a photo booth. So <laughs> at various points throughout this recording, I could just hit the button in front of me and, uh, you know, capture the moment. I've just had, I've just had someone, <laughs> I just had someone, the reason I paused is because I just had someone pull back the, uh, the curtain and then saw I was in here with a microphone. So we'll see how this goes. I'm maybe the most unprofessional I've been, but it's the off season. And I think that I was talking for a minute and a half. So that must count for something. (laughs) We've just killed a minute and a half of this podcast. Uh, Well, I appreciate your ingenuity. I think it's, it's an important trait. And yeah, frankly, like you sound great. I'm sure it'll, it'll sound great on the other end. And if we happen to get interrupted by somebody who wants to take a photo, then so be it. You should take a couple photos while we're recording this and we'll stick them up on Instagram or something like that because, well, Kit and I have the keys to the Instagram now. We can we can do whatever we want. What do you think? I think it sounds good. Speaking of which, I think someone does want to take a picture. So while you intro everyone else, I'm just going to pop outside. <laughs> My God, the timing couldn't be more perfect. <laughs> the timing could not be more perfect. Oh, I wish this was a video podcast. It's just fantastic. Uh, well, <laughs> you all, you all heard Kit Nicholson there. How are you, Kit? I'm okay. Yep. Uh, uh, you have a good, you have a good weekend. Well, I had my head kicked in by winter vaccines, so not really, but you know, bit, kind of Ooh. better now. But uh, yeah, it was an interesting weekend. Hmm. Was that like flu and stuff? Flu and Omicron. Oh, yeah, it was no fun. All in one arm, no which maybe was a bad decision. Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, well, I'm glad you're getting over it. Uh, Ronan McLaughlin, how are you, Ronan? Uh, I don't know, seven out of ten, eight, seven, eight, seven and a half, seven and a half out of ten. You're going to have to ramp that up because we have two podcasts to make this morning, Ronan. <laughs> we have this one and another one right after. And all of a sudden I've gone to five out of ten. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm tired because we had uh, we had time change over the weekend and I have a 18-month-old who woke me up at 4.45 this morning. So that was super fun. And we're all going to, we're all going to just going to, be excited here. <laughs> We're going to just be excited this episode. We got mean, plenty to talk about. You mean you were up about. since 4.45 a.m. and you waited until now to come on and see us? Yeah, I know. We could have <laughs> done it way earlier, right? All right, we got, we got plenty to talk about. We got plenty to talk about today. Uh, obviously, we need to check in with the Saitama Criterium. We need to find out who won in Saitama. Uh, from what I gather, it was a vicious three-up sprint we're going to tease that and you're going to wait and find out who won in a little bit. We're also going to be talking about this, uh, this new Q36.5, 365, however you say it, 
team from Doug Ryder. We have a bit more information on that. We have actually a, a full roster for that, uh, which is pretty exciting. And then on the kind of the other side of that coin is Jerome Pino's B&B hotel squad that Cav was heavily linked to is, well, it's in a lot of trouble. Uh, may not exist at all, possibly. In which case, what happens to Mark Cavendish? We'll talk about that in a little bit as well. In more team news, we got a lot of team news. The big boss at Yumbo, not the team, but the actual corporate entity, is in quite a bit of hot water. Uh, Johnny wrote a story about last week. We're going to talk about that and and why it might affect the cycling team and might not. Don't really know yet, but worth digging into a little bit. How big is if is the big boss at Yumbo? <laughs> Minus 10 points, Ronan. <laughs> we also, we're also going to be chatting about Nairo Quintana. Uh, his disqualification was confirmed by Cass. I'm just going to, I'm moving on from that. I'm not even, I'm not acknowledging <laughs> it anyway. Uh, it was officially disqualified or what, six month disqualification period or something like that from Cass. We'll talk about the details of that and what that might mean for Arkea uh, and for, for, for Nairo, who well, a bit of, bit of a limbo at the moment. And finally, Today's nerd nugget, jean shorts in the Tour de France. Jean shorts in the Tour de France. I'll just, we'll just leave it at that and, and get to that later in the show. Let's dive into it. Let's dive into it. Johnny's back in his booth. Thank goodness. Uh, <laughs> the Saitama Criterion was over the weekend kit. How did it play out? Well, um, it was about 90 minutes of hard and fast racing on a three and a half kilometer criterium course. Um, and, uh, well, it was live broadcast to the world. Um, in the UK time, it was 6 a.m. to about 7.30, which was no, not much fun. But I caught the last lap, I think. Um, and uh, it came Probably down... Probably the only lap you need to catch. Well, I'd argue maybe you only need to catch the... Podium ceremony? I don't know. Um, but it, so the last lap, we, there was a fairly large breakaway, uh, which included the yellow jersey, uh, Chris Froome, Nibali, Valverde, Jasper Philipson, and Geraint Thomas. And towards the end of the lap, or the, uh, certainly the end of the race, um, Vingegaard, Philipson, and Thomas went off the front and uh, looked like it was going to be a tasty battle for for honours. Um, Vingago tried a little attack towards the finale, but uh, ultimately came back together. Philipson seemed really motivated to go for it. And indeed, it came down to that sort after sprint. And the, uh, the only sprinter to double up at the Tour de France raised his arms in celebration as he crossed the line first. Is this a little bit too believable? <laughs> well... I mean, let's like... Like in in what Saitama universe does does Chris Froome ever lose a sprint to to Jasper Philipson? I feel like it's a little bit backwards. Yeah, there's a little bit of a suspicion that somebody didn't read the script, but uh, <laughs> who knows? Really, it's the Saitama criteria. Anything can happen. <laughs> I did ask ASO. I sent them an email during the week asking about the electric vehicle stuff uh, we discussed on last week's podcast, but I also asked about the the criteriums. And sort of like, how does the scripting work? And 
Have you thought about when you tweet very seriously about the criteriums that it's a bit weird? And I'm unsurprised to report that I have not heard back from our friends at ASO. <laughs> Could you follow that up now and email them asking if Jasper Philipson deviated from the script? Yes. Just straight I up. I want to know. Just straight, just straight up asking. Like, obviously, you're not going to get an answer, but it, it is usually the way those crits go is that someone like Vinigo in the yellow jersey will beat an outright sprinter in a sprint finish and and when then the sprinter will be second or third or fourth beaten in a sprint by pure climbers yeah because it's it's just a it's usually just a rank order of who's like it's popularity right? it's just a popularity contest and so they take the or 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 prestige i guess is the other way to sort of think about it i mean yes it's philipson won multiple stages of the tour de france he is in that way a big deal but if you're going to put him up against the yellow jersey and the other riders that were in that quote unquote front group I, I I do find I find it strange that he uh, I find I think he went off script. I genuinely think he went off script because if I was the Saitama scriptwriter, uh, if I was going to like put my little beret on and, and think in that way, then I would not have it wrap up in that particular manner. I think uh, Jasper Philipson is just big in Japan. I think that's the uh, the explanation here. I was actually Possibly. just looking there for connections between Jasper Phillips and, and Saitama, and you know, I can't think of any that spring to mind. But there could be some obscure reason there that, be it an Alpeson writer, Phillips and himself, a Canyon writer, there could be something, some connection there. We're not thinking of Shimano writer, but then Vinigo is also Shimano, so who knows? Mm. Well, but they're going to SRAM, oh. <laughs> right? Good point. Good point. Ooh. We've 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 figured it out. That's it. <laughs> Case closed. Oh. <laughs> well, he was on a. I think they called it a Tour de France Legends team, a mini team with Mark Cavendish and the Japanese national champion Haruki. Uh, what's his name? Um, oh, I the current, his name. The current champion or not? Yeah, Bahrain victorious rider. Ah, uh, uh, Arashiro. Arashiro, that's the one. Yeah, oh, I you, had Kira Arashiro. But but even yeah. like in a. In a you know, a field with other sprinters, you, unless it was Philipson's hometown in Belgium, I can't imagine no. a scenario where somebody <laughs> wants him to win. We're trying you know, to find logic in this and that's not necessarily <laughs> the way to go. <laughs> you know, he is fantastic bike rider, but it, it just doesn't strike me as the kind of guy who would be scripted to win a race full of stars. See, I, I, I went through a lot of photos putting together a gallery yesterday and I think the winner was still Jonas Fingergaard because you can see quite clearly from... I mean, it was a brilliantly lit event. It was, you know, Sunset Criterium and there were some great photos. Jonas Vingegaard's legs are pleasingly furry. And that said to me, this guy is enjoying <laughs> his off-season and he's relaxed. And you know what? He's there to have a bit of fun and he's just playing around on his bike. Um, so he'd already won in my book. <laughs> I love that. I love that he couldn't even bother to share his yeah. <laughs> That's fantastic. I mean, he is going to regret that now, having missed out in victory in Saitama Criterium. That's true. That could have been the difference. That could have been the difference. At the Singapore Criterium, he wasn't even racing one of his team's bikes. He was. He just got one from a. They, is it Savello? Yeah, Savello shop out there. He didn't even bother. He didn't want to pay the postage or the the shipping. as <laughs> extra. He just rode around. He didn't bike. want to risk. He didn't want to risk having his bike broken in transport. So that was why he oh, okay. to ensure the best chance of victory. He got a bike on site. I see. Mm. I see. Yes. I, I mean, these things really are all, all about profit. I, I, I had a, I had a, I had a rider, former rider, tell me that the reason he really liked the Saitama Criterium is because they would all bring 
multiple suitcases full of team kit and they would essentially sell it out of the back of a van and make loads and loads of money. They would literally just, they would just sell all this and they'd sell it for cash. Right. And then they would just have like thousands of euros worth of yen and would just like use that to go out in the town in Tokyo. <laughs> that was the whole, that was the whole, that was the whole reason that, that most of them would go. And I would assume, I would assume that you know, he was kind of like a, he's kind of like a mid tier rider. Right. Uh, I would assume the top, top, top riders are getting invited and getting paid a lot more than that. But if you are, if you are some, some, you know, mid-level world tour pro, uh, you get the invite, but you do not get the massive paycheck. It's a pretty good way to sort of tack on a bit of revenue from the weekend. So what you're saying is Vinigo sold his team bike before the race even started. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not saying definitely. I'm just saying it's possible. But he, he, he didn't sell his leg hair, which is a comforting thought. <laughs> All right. All right. Our favorite event is now behind us. Unfortunately. Uh, oh, Kit. You, just you before have more we move add. on, which I think okay. we should at least acknowledge the. I think the Media Day or the Japanese Culture Festival that happened the day before, uh, and the spectacular uh, shots that mm. we had of the drawing competition. Um, and the candy floss contest, um, uh, which um, were so we had Valverde and Nibali on one team for a quiz, and Froome and Fingergaard on Team Yellow Jersey opposite them. Um, I mean, they to be fair, they look like they're having a lot of fun. Um, and the candy floss photos in particular, I very much enjoyed. Um, uh, also, I I uh, don't know if you've seen them, Ronan, but. Valverde looks like he might be a fan of the Team GB track bike based on the uh, drawing that he did. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I haven't seen that, no. Well, there's photos up on, on, on cyclytips.com if you missed the uh, gallery. <laughs> was the candy floss competition eating as much as possible? No, they made it. and then Oh, they made I, it? I believe. I'd, yeah, yeah. Oh. Like it was who could make the best. I don't know what the competition. Who was. could survive eating their own their own candy floss that they'd made? I could. I couldn't even find what sort of questions they were asked in the quiz. Um, I assume it was cycling themed, but uh, I mean the get up they had for the for the quiz was amazing as well. Enormous hats. Um, uh, can, candy floss for our American listeners out there is cotton candy. Sorry, just so yeah, sorry. you uh, know what we're talking about. <laughs> The good news is this is not the end of the Criterium scene for this year because that Monaco B King event from last year is back. Yay. And they have an entire website that seemingly goes out of its way not to actually list the date that it's happening. But (laughs) I can tell you from an insider source who will be lining up in the start line is the 27th of November. So we can look forward to that. My goodness, I cannot wait. So mm-hmm. we have something to look forward to uh, through the the drudge and dire of of the cyclocross season. A shining light, something interesting for us to talk about on this podcast. I think I, I think that one let's, is slightly different, but similar idea. Little bit, little bit. Uh, let's let's move on. Let's move on. Um, we killed sixteen minutes already, guys. Wow, look at us go. You're moving us on to. We could have kept going for another hour and 16 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> moving on from our favorite races. Uh some 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 not great news over the weekend. Uh relatively potentially big news over the weekend, which was that 
this B&B hotels team, like I said in the intro, that has been heavily linked to Mark Cavendish is having some serious trouble, uh, having some serious sponsor trouble in particular. And Jerome Pino, who, uh, you know, Tour de France podium finisher, uh, now team director, is having some problems solidifying the financials of this team. Kit, what exactly is going down right now? Well, the latest is um, that it sounds like some of the riders, unnamed riders at this point, have been uh, reaching out to current teams or alternative teams um, with the doubts that are encircling this new project. Um, So, yeah, I mean, we've had the cancellation of the press conference, which we understood was due to a withdrawal of uh, sponsorship. Um, And uh, then, of course, we've got the more lighthearted teasing from the Cavendish camp, but it now seems like, uh, I mean, Pino is um, running out of time essentially to find a big sponsor because although B&B Hotels is staying on, they're staying on as a small sponsor. So he needs the majority of the funds. Um, and uh, so our friends at Vela News um, reported this over the weekend and it sounds like he's got, uh, Jerry Pino has got until November the 15th to find that sponsorship. Um, although I think there is a deadline for the UCI sooner than that. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, historically, those UCI deadlines have been somewhat fluid. Yeah. Because um, the UCI wants teams to exist for obvious reasons. And so they, they're, they're sort of willing to make exceptions. But in theory, yes, they 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 need to hit those deadlines because they need things like, like bank guarantees and all the rest, um, which are required for any team. In case a sponsor pulls out halfway through the season, for example, you can continue to pay salaries for for the rest of the year, and so it's it's a it's a sizable bank guarantee that they will need. They'll need somebody to cut a very large check uh, in the next week. I mean, that's easier said than done. And it sounds like there have been existing concerns as well. Some of the uh, riders on the current outfit haven't uh, reportedly not been paid for some of this year. So, yeah, you can imagine there's some big question marks. I, I believe that today, Jerome Pino was due to appear before a, a, some, a board to um, basically verify his plans. Um, <clears throat> uh, but, yeah, I mean, it doesn't sound like a particularly happy situation. Remember the city of Paris was due to have some involvement? That wasn't going to be financial, but it they're now uh, possibly going to be withdrawing their involvement because of a damage to... Um, well, reputation to their kind of strategic standing. Um, so it all looks like a bit of a storm um, at the moment. Um, so, yeah, uh, another important detail, which also illustrates the, I don't know, slight desperation at play is that apparently Pino tried to broker a merger with Israel Premier Tech quite recently, um, but they already have... I mean, one of the big issues is they already have 27 riders signed and sealed for next year. So that ain't going to happen. That, though, was also unverified. And um, uh, when Valley News uh, reached out to the team for any sort of, well, to try and find the truth of the matter, the team came back with, um, thanks for asking. It never happened. We can maybe take that with a pinch of salt. I don't know. Who knows? It's the press officer. Uh, it's public facing, but yeah. So as Johnny said in the last update, get the popcorn out because it's not over yet. I, I mean, obviously the, the reason why 
I think we are particularly interested in. Not that we don't care deeply about Pierre Roland, but I believe it is mostly the Mark Cavendish connection that we are that we are particularly intrigued by here, right? So and Audrey Cordon Rego in the women's team. Yeah, um, which would be a huge, huge deal, right? Like she, she's just she just signed with them as well. So what do we think is going to happen uh, if we had to guess? If the the sort of the acquisition of a sponsor seems unlikely. So in particular, it feels to me like a a, a rider like Cav, like Cordon Rago, they have options, right? You'd think. What do we think? How do we think this ends up? Rampant speculation time. <laughs> I think if this was happening in the UK, given all the curtailing of any business, well, imagination, I would say it's absolutely dead in the water. Given all the problems with running anything at the moment and the cost of living and prices of everything going up, I'd say not a chance. Everyone's going to have to find new teams and there are going to be a lot of retiring French riders. But I don't know. It, France loves cycling. Um, I wouldn't count it out, but I'm not optimistic. Big names probably just move, right? Yeah. Well, how many big names do B&B hotels have like a, you're you're probably looking at twenty one riders there who are going to struggle to get a place anywhere else. You know, uh, at the beginning of the transfer season, never mind this late into the year. And you know, that's no disrespect to the riders involved. It's just they haven't got the big name status to command a place on any World Tour team in the middle of November. You know, it, it's you got you got a feel for those riders. You know, at at this time of year to be potentially left without a a job for next year. Uh, and you know, in terms of the actual team itself, if unless things have changed in recent years, I know like there there wouldn't really even be an option for the team to drop down to say continental level, keep going on some basis, and try and build up again because the rules in France state that even continental level teams have to have a million euro budget, uh, which makes it you know very very difficult to have a continental team in France. And historically, there have been very few for that exact reason. So. You know, where in the past we have seen pro teams drop down to continental level and then come back up when they've had a time, but a time to restructure and get new sponsors. You know, this, this could very well be, you know, the end of the road for the team as a whole. Never mind, just you know, as a place for Mark Cavendish to get his record-breaking stage one next year. Is it Carrefour that pulled out? Because that that was the. That was the sponsor that was chucked around quite a bit, even as far back as this year's Tour de France. And we we, we were hearing rumors while on the ground of the tour, I'm sure you recall, Johnny, that that some giant French sponsor was showing up and it was going to just completely change the game for some French team. And it was going to be like an Ineos level amount of cash. And that like that's the stuff we were hearing early on. Is it is, is am I am I tying the thread between those two points accurately here? Yeah, and then more recently, um, I think West France reported that Amazon France or the French subsidiary of Amazon were involved, which is also going to be a huge amount of money. And while it and you see Amazon are moved in sport uh, in other sports in other countries, like in the UK, they now uh, put a lot of Premier League football on TV, like uh, midweek games, and in the NFL, I think they now do Thursday night football. Um, and so then union. rugby union. So first cycling in France, and that that sort of way for it to all filter down makes sense um, and there was someone there was another big sponsor as well but yeah there are a few being mentioned and when none of them like follow through it provides even more questions because if it was just one sponsor and one busted deal then that's kind of half of the course but it's an interesting one 
Yeah, like are they seeing something in the team that's scaring them away or is it just economic realities? I mean, uh, the economy has changed considerably since uh, sort of the beginning of the year, even kind of middle of the year, right? Um, things have gotten quite dire <laughs> and we all know that marketing budgets are some of the first things to, to, to slim down. And so that could be a potential reason for all of this as well. But regardless, the, the sort of end result here is, is a pretty negative one. I would say those that economic, you know, climate that you mentioned there's probably one of the big factors, and it's probably also a bit of a a chicken and egg scenario where there could be a a big brand out there with the marketing budget to spend, but they, when they look at a team like B and B at the moment, if there's you know three sponsors at the same level as they are coming in and and basically transforming this team into a powerhouse they may be willing to take the chance on it. But when it's one brand on their own, you know, all of a sudden it seems like you're going out on a limb with this team who don't have the proven track record of winning Tour de France stages, which is really what these, you know, these big brands are after. That's forget the rest of the cycling season. It's a Tour de France stage one that they that they want. And it's Mark Cavendish's record breaking Tour de France stage one that they want. When you're suddenly looking at the fact that, you know, it's it's that one brand having to cough up all the money. It's it's a very different story altogether. And then if you add into the mix with perhaps the cabin, this thing just does not exist. It's kind of a perfect storm for you know, Pino could have been sitting six eight weeks ago thinking, well, we are sorted for the you know for the for the foreseeable future. We have these big brand names coming into sponsors, and now all of a sudden they have they have none. And you know that's right. as we've already said, that's difficult difficult time for them. Where's Cav gonna go? I can see if it knee jet reaction, there's three potential places. Israel, uh, because also he's been teasing us with photos of him hanging out with the Israel riders. So maybe he's trying to poke enough buttons to engineer that move. I could see him going to Arkea as well, which has never been linked and never been spoken about. But the fact of the matter is, is that whatever they're paying Nairo, they're now not paying anymore. And at this stage of the off season, there's only so many places. So that would be one that makes sense and losing Naira is basically I know you they've still got the King of France but it's not it's not quite the same um, and then yep. Ineos because they've got spots available for next year and it's Rod Ellingworth in charge there now and he sort of rescued Cavendish once before so there would be my three maybe there's good reasons why they wouldn't work but that's just Ed, in my mind what and money's not a problem yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't know well yeah that's very true I don't, I don't know about the Ineos thing um, but I do see a lot of logic in that, especially as, um, you know, we know that his lordship, Jim Radcliffe, really wants somebody to win the Tour de France next year, which I don't think anyone believes is going to happen except him. Um, and if Garrett Thomas isn't going, not, not that he's going to win either, but Garrett Thomas wants to give the Giro. Inga Bernal, nobody knows. Tom Pidcock, probably too soon. So take Mark Cavendish and you're going to get a stage win probably. And you've got Elia Viviani, who's not one of the top sprinters anymore. He can be a great lead out man, maybe. Um, so that does make a lot of sense. Um, I don't know though. I, I think I'd be more surprised if he goes there than anywhere else. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think also it just gives them a bit of direction for that tour and probably helps them if they're trying to build back to be in a tour winning team where instead of just going with some sort of plan that's obviously not going to work to win the GC and then they just end up winning like four stages in the final week when that's what they're going for I mean it's probably still fun for the riders but I feel like it would be a real statement of because we've seen like a lot of talk talk recently about measuring them against Jumbo and UAE 
and how riders are now selecting those two teams over Ineos. And it'd be a kind of, a, it obviously doesn't reflect that they're going back to those heights, but it's sort of a different tact of, you know, not having dominance, but being relevant. I don't know if that's too harsh, but <laughs> but it's a big, it's a, it'd be a huge story if he wins the number 35 mm. and if they pull it off. It'd be a huge story even if he doesn't. It'd be a huge story even if he just, if he just tries over and over and over again, right? Like, it, I mean, yes, it would be bigger if he did it. But whatever team he's on is going to get an insane amount of coverage every single time there's a remotely flat finish. I think that's why he tour. won't be going to any of us is because typically speaking, that team does not care whether they get coverage <laughs> or not. <laughs> so <laughs> it, is a, it is a very Dave Brailsford story though. You know, he wants to get the first British Tour de France winner. Okay, he wants to get Mark Cavendish's 35th Tour victory, Tour stage victory. That does sound very up Dave Brailsford Street, especially if his football project isn't exactly mm. going to plan. All joking aside, I, I I just don't see which camp within the NLS Grenadiers is going to be arguing Mark Cavendish's case. You've got, you know, the, the plan A win the GC group who are not going to want to give a single spot to a sprinter, never mind a leader train on top of that. And then you've got the sort of the the group of directors and coaches who have come on now for the classics who were so successful this year. And no doubt, or at least if I was those people, I would be banging on the door of whoever makes the decisions in, in Ineos to say, we should be the coaches throughout the whole season. We can bring this new brand of racing that everybody is enjoying, but more importantly to us is actually winning races. And that group don't have a place for Mark Cavendish either. They have all those bright young stars that they have, the classics group that was so successful last year. Yes, they're losing Van Barla, but... Uh, I just don't think Mark Cavendish's, you know, deliver a, a sprinter to the line is the approach that that group takes either. Uh, and apart from Rod Ellingworth, who I don't know if he's fighting Cavendish's corner either, but I, I just don't know who within any of us is, is having that conversation. Well, I, I think well, the big he, one to be he's the only one that matters. And I think that, that, that it, it like, but, but yeah, like he's the only one that matters. And he, we know he's a, a proud Brit. Um, and I, I could see Johnny's covering his eyes. Uh, I could see I think the flash went off in the camera. <laughs> I, I mean, I could just see him pushing for that. Right. And, and at the, at the, at the end of the day, if the owner wants something, the owner wants something. And, and that story, the story that comes with this is, is it's the next best thing to like first British winner of the Tour de France, right? Like the, it's, it's another record for another British rider that he could help make happen. and. For me, that's why it feels the most. I, I, end of last week, I probably would have said Israel's the most likely for him. And I'm starting to pivot a little bit more. And I'm more like 50 50 between Israel and Ineos at this point, with a small percentage for some other random team that we're not even thinking of um, in Archaea or something like that. Somebody who has space. Yeah. I, 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 somebody's going to, somebody is going to see the marketing angle and be like, I want it. Right. Somebody is going to do that. I, I'm expecting, I think the Israel thing was that, although, I mean, I've joked about this, I don't know if I've joked about this on here, but it's kind of like the retirement home of cycling at the moment, um, <laughs> which kind of makes sense for for Cav, except that he probably will, if he gets the chance and hasn't had any bad luck, I think he probably will get the 5th, 35th stage win. But uh, I do wonder if we've got to the point where the teasing has got to beyond the line, where it's now just indulging the public discourse and it's not 
ever been on the cards um, in reality. That's kind of how I've begun to think more recently. Um, I think it, I, I still think it's more likely he'll go to somewhere like Archaea um, than, yeah, Ineos or Israel. What we'll say about um, Ineos not caring about the marketing is that recently I think they actually have some of the cars to sell or at least pre-order. So there's been a huge ramp up in marketing. You've had Luke Rowe and Geraint Thomas doing podcasts inside inside the 4x4, which I think is more unprofessional than inside a photo booth, if I may add. And then also you've had Lewis <laughs> Hamilton driving around with Jim Ratcliffe in the car and it's all quite... It's It's like sort of unappealing enough that you can see Cav being dragged into being like oh this 4x4 is great isn't it I love it that's a bit too scouse but maybe that explains why Hamilton can't want to race this year well there's also the um, I think someone was talking about it at the tour this year there's apparently the Ineos curse which is being touted because every sort of thing that Ratcliffe is putting his money in is suddenly like going bad I mean he won the, the tour very quickly with Ineos but kind of that was the honeymoon period but like the F1's gone bad OGC Nice has gone bad I think there'd been a, the sailing, the sailing that he sponsors. Where yep, uh, I, I would agree with the marketing s- stuff that you that you were just saying. Is it's like Ian wrote a, Ian wrote kind of a mean story about the yeah. Ineos Grenadier, <laughs> the actual truck, uh, and the marketing people in Australia for Ineos, the truck, not the team, were quite sad. Were they, they were made quite oh, sad? No. By this. Yeah, and they and they like they reached out and they wanted to kind of convince us that it wasn't a terrible, terrible four by four and a. <laughs> awful defender knockoff and all the things that Ian said it was, we remain unconvinced. Um, although apparently there's a, there's somebody in our comment section who has ordered one oh. and we have asked them when they get it to, to give us a full review. Cause maybe it's great. We don't know. We don't know. We're our, our, our minds are open. Our eyes are open for this. Anyway, he's going to Ineos, I think. Yeah. Archaea. He's not going to Archaea. Well, he did say that he wanted to go to a small French team. Did he? I no, think he, he did. doesn't. Well, he might. <laughs> okay. Maybe, maybe it was part of the spin for B and B. Yeah, I, he he's talked about it before, though. Going to a, I would uh, doing a I bit. I would of, love to go to a team with no lead out and full of people I can't speak to. Well, That's taking it. a lead out with him though. <laughs> I don't no know. way. I, who, who knows? Maybe we. We're just guessing here. We're guessing. Uh, but guessing's fun. Uh, my, the only thing I, I want is I want him to be on the start line at the Tour de France next year. I was very annoyed when he wasn't this year. Like, I'm not even, I'm not a massive Cav fan. Have never been. Uh, but I like a good story and I like a good narrative. And like that, I just, we're missing out on that if he's not there. So I just want him to find a team, show up. I don't really care whether he beats the record or not. I just want something to talk about every single day. And and something to guess about on the podcast each afternoon. That sounds really fun to me. I, I thought you were about to say all I want is for him to be happy, and I was like, "Wow, that's quite the it's uh, <laughs> quite a sort of turn." No, I don't care about that at all. Uh, <laughs> not the slightest, not the slightest. I want me to be happy, Johnny. Okay. I want me to be happy, and I will be happy if I get to yammer on about the Cav record for another another summer. Let's let's move on. Uh, We've got two more little news hits here. These will be quick. Johnny, you wrote about this last week. The the CEO was CEO of Yumbo, former, uh, former not CEO, the team. Yeah, former CEO of Yumbo, not the team. The the corporation is in some hot water. Uh, what 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 did he do allegedly? 
He was back in September, I think, or maybe it was August. He was investigated or questioned about uh, money laundering and sort of assets being bought and moved around in an illegal manner. And he wasn't necessarily a focal point of the investigation, but it came from his links. Basically, Yumbo, as well as sponsoring cycling, like if you're a Formula One fan, you'll see on Max Verstappen's helmet, I think it is, there's a big Yumbo logo. And then he also does motocross. And they have an ice skating team, which is... Is it called ice skating or ice racing or just skating? I don't know. Um, but yeah, so this guy, the former CEO, speed he's... Skating. Speed skating. Speed uh, skating. The former CEO, he was sort of... I think he was the guy who was pushing a lot of these sponsorships because he's big fans of all these sports. I think he used to all, uh, quite often be at the, the like launch, uh, like the team launches every year for Jumbo Visma. Um, so he was like questioned as part of it and his house was searched. And then last week it came out that at his house there was a bunch of money uncovered hundreds of thousands of euros which i think now means that he's more of a focal point of the investigation i think um whereas before it was just a guy that he knew from the motor like a car dealer from the motorsport world that he was in some way involved with so at the time of september when he like got searched and questioned he stepped down as ceo and since then there have been sort of reassurances in the press that the cycling team and the speed skating team, which I'm sure our listeners will be much more concerned about, are are safe and they're not going anywhere. But I guess the the thing is like they are they those things are not going anywhere and safe for you know no 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 one's no one's safe really. Like things can change, circumstances can change very quickly. But it's not necessarily a story that you want or something happening with one of your big title sponsors. Yeah, I think the reason we mention it is because historically these uh, these deals are often done because of one person or one personality, particularly somebody in a position of power. And and you know, if the CEO of this company is very into sports, then the marketing department is probably tasked with finding good avenues to invest in in that area, right? If you're a big cycling fan, okay, we want to buy a cycling team. Uh, and so, yeah, even though they're they're sort of they've made assurances that nothing bad is going to happen. And that's probably true in the short term. Next time this contract is up without that person behind it, pushing you, it's less of a sure thing. Right. And so it's, it's just, there's a potential downside to all of this. Uh, We've seen it happen in cycling many, many, many times where, yeah, some somebody, you know, either, either like a head of marketing or a CEO or something like that is just a big cycling fan. And that is essentially the reason why, some giant, you know, massive multinational has decided to to dump a small portion of its marketing budget into a pro cycling team. Um, and then that person goes away and lo and behold, the money goes away. So that that is a possibility here and something we obviously do not want to happen. But that's the reason why we why we bring it up is just the the the, the concerning connection there for what has become one of the biggest, most important teams in the entire sport. So We'll just cross our fingers that there's other cycling fans within Yumbo. I'm sure there are, uh, and hope that that nothing bad happens small down the line. Clarification there, Johnny. The Yumbo logo on Max Verstappen's Max Verstappen's oh. helmet is not large. It's actually tiny, but it costs it costs rumor uh, has it it costs about two million euro per year to have that tiny logo on his helmet, which is probably also more than B and B hotels need to keep the team alive for next year. <laughs> It's always uh, uh, between the haves and the have-nots, isn't it? No matter what we're 
what place in society terrible i mean most most professional cycling teams operate on less money than your average european per week football player (laughs) makes in a year individual yeah individual person right each individual person makes more money than than entire team the continental squad that i raced for annual budget was less than some of these premiership footballers are paid per week now so yes (laughs) and that was a highly successful (laughs) squad (laughs) so we just need to convince premiership players to sponsor continental cycling Mm -hmm. teams give that's what you're saying seems simple one fifth yeah no problem there's got to be some cycling fans out there i'm sure Speaking of Premiership football players, uh, Nairo Quintana has been officially disqualified for for about six months. Can you just imagine that? That would be great. I feel like he's really, I probably, he's very good at at football, I would imagine. Anyway, Kit, tell me what happened here. (laughs) Tell tell me. Uh, Should should clarify, he hasn't been disqualified for any number of months. He's just been disqualified. His disqualification from the Tour de France has been confirmed. Yeah. All right. Um, because it's not it's not a WADA banned substance, it's a UCI banned substance. So it's just for the race that he was partaking in, I believe. So it's not a suspension. No. Nope. To be yeah, to be very clear, it's not a WADA suspension. He has not been found guilty of a uh, He's not been found guilty of doping. Adverse yeah, adverse analytical finding according to WADA. But the UCI has banned tramadol, and so the UCI can take away results. It's a medical that's, ban. That's essentially what's happening. Med- here. Medical ban, I think, is the, yeah. is the term they're using. Yeah. Are his points going away? Well, they will for the tour. Yeah. Yeah. Does that have any material impact on the on the overall standings and the? And was it or was it separated enough at the end? I there? think they'd already gone away, hadn't they? Provisionally. Um, I don't know. Well, I, I don't. No, either. But I think they were safe enough already without the points. Well, maybe they'll need Cav for for next year. <laughs> but they'd have to sign him before. Well, they'd have to sign him right now, wouldn't they? I want to get point. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, just to, to get, get just the to get the wild. This year. I'm, I'm all meant just to get the wild card for next year. Oh, I see. Because they mean. wouldn't be. If you if you've got Arkea, a French team, and you've got Cav on it, you're probably getting an invite to the Tour de France. Yes, I would imagine. Oh. Anyway, so so like what what's the what's the end result of this? Obviously, he can he can continue racing. That's not a big deal. Do we know what his next year looks like? Like what what's the outcome? Well, we here? we say he can continue racing. He's not got a team, and there were some reports in the Spanish press last week, basically saying that they have not really heard or he hasn't heard of much interest from teams yet. Maybe they were just waiting until the whole thing was settled, just because they didn't like the uncertainty of what was going to happen. Um, but he doesn't seem to have a team. Uh, he's been doing some mountain biking in Colombia, so maybe trying to just you know get away from it all, getting going going getting muddy. Because he is the king of the cobbles, so maybe he's now <laughs> maybe he's now like gonna, gonna pull a Lachlan Morton and just disappear and like start doing oh that'd be amazing FKT attempts across right that'd be pretty sweet. Nairo gone love, racing. I love that. How old is Nairo now? Thirty two, I think. 32. So he's not, he's not, he's still got plenty of, plenty of time left. Should he want to continue raising? Yeah. Uh, and, and I, and I think it, to be honest, it's like kind of harsh to how it's been framed. Maybe this is just me reading into it, but it seems to be framed like, Oh, he got that. He got the disqualification from the tour and now no team wants to pick him up. Whereas like, if that's how cycling operates and that's news to me because <laughs> there are a bunch of people <laughs> in it who <laughs> have, you know, 
there's much worse things that happened since. Uh, he, we should say that he still insists that he never took tramadol. Uh, yes. Which, so so so, now now Cass has decided that he did. Um, so I think we could say that with confidence. Uh, it's still a very strange. The whole episode is very strange to me because tra- tramadol was heavily abused for for quite some time in cycling, but it's very easy to test for. And so, once the UCI came down and said that you're not allowed to use it in races, it, it, we haven't heard much about it since then, right? Um, now he did he did test positive for it on on some crucial days at the mm. tour. Perhaps he just was taking the risk that he wouldn't get tested that day and that, that he would be able to fly under the radar. Who knows? But it's, it's still, uh, the whole thing doesn't make any, doesn't make any sense to me. Anyway, we'll leave it. <laughs> the, whole thing, the whole thing is strange. If Cav does go to arcade, would his name be Kaka? What? <laughs> the French, the French, you know how like the Aussies uh, add like a Y or an O to everyone's name mm. to, to make them into, into nicknames? Well, the French do like the first syllable twice, right? It's quite common. So we've got For like Warren Wawa. <laughs> oh, and Lu- is Lulu. Lulu, uh, yeah. Lulu. Was Jalibert, yep. Wasn't it? Lulu. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, yeah, I think. I think that's a perfect reason for him to go to Arkea. That sounds amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard Pino be referred to as PP or like Barde be Baba. <laughs> Pino <Pee and> Oh. <laughs> Uh, we are mature you speak for yourself adults adult podcast (laughs) mature adult podcast uh who had a j vine question mark question mark question mark to the end of the run sheet here i did because i think we should talk about it shouldn't we okay let's talk about it tell me about j vine which is is a we've talked a little bit about about Maybe doing a bigger story on UAE and and what on earth they're doing. Um, it's a very very strong team now, uh, and well, I guess you can kind of tell what they're doing. They are trying to figure out how to match Yumbo Visma, right? That is a, it was what they're att- attempting to do. But if you just look at the team on paper right now, particularly after the Jay Vine pickup, it, it looks like they've got enough teams for many different Grand Tours, right? Which maybe that's the whole point. Maybe that maybe they know that given injuries and illness and and form and and whatever else that that they need you can't just have like this is our tour team in january right you you essentially need two or three tour teams then you pick from the best at, at in july and that's kind of what yumbo has been doing it's what Ineos has always done a very deep deep squad that appears to be what they're going for but it is absolutely stacked now and as you say the j vine signing is is just the latest um do we think that j vine is is gonna go to that team to be like a like a super domestique, or is he going to get handed a Giro opportunity? What's what's going to go down here? There have been some quotes from UAE saying that they sort of see him as a GC talent, and then that is that is the idea is that they this is the next step for him, and that's what he said. This is the next logical step in my career, and there are people sort of taking the mick, being like, yeah, the next you know lucrative step maybe. Uh, but he Jay Vine also appeared on a on a podcast I think last week after it after the deal was made live. And he, it wasn't critical of Alperson, but he sort of, so what he was saying is that a lot of the things that you would expect maybe would be available to you, like a nutritionist wasn't necessarily made available to him as Alperson because he wasn't one of the, one of the big guys at Alperson. Uh, whereas at UAE, I guess, probably more of a, 
there's the budget is there that sort of everyone everyone gets a nutritionist. <laughs> right. That's interesting. Interesting. Interesting note about Alps, which makes sense. I mean, they've, they've historically not been a massive budget team, right? So they would have to make some decisions like that. Kind of makes sense. Yeah, I mean, he will have been fairly, although he's a fantastic rider, as we all know now, um, he will have been pretty low on the totem pole even this year. Um, so, you know, things like wind tunnel testing or the top tier um, resources won't have been at his disposal disposal of that team. It's the same with, I mean, some of the lower budget World Tour teams are in the same boat. Not everyone gets to go wind on testing, but he will. I mean, I can't imagine that there's anyone who doesn't get the best at UAE because they've got an enormous budget. Well, and also Alperson, you've already got Mathieu van der Poel and then you've got, you know, the biggest rider in Japan, Jasper Philipson. So the budget just gets <laughs> eaten up very quickly. <laughs> I'm just looking through through the 2023 team list for UAE. Joao Almeida, Juan Ayuso, George Bennett, uh, Mark Hershey's sort of different thing, McNulty, Rafa Maika. Pogacha fella? Pogacha, obviously. Oh, <laughs> I'm going, it's alphabetical here. I'm getting down, I'm getting down there. Pogacha, Mark Soler, uh, now Jay Vine, uh, this Michael Vink fella that we were talking about, or we, we had a, a story about the other day, and Adam Yates. Tim, Tim Wells. <laughs> they have enough. Not, not they GC, have enough but, GC yeah. contenders. Yeah, Tim. Well, Tim Wells is not. Yeah, mm. very, very strong riders, obviously. But like, they have just enough straight up like D- GC podium contenders for like four or five Grand Tours every year, and that's a that's something that most teams cannot cannot say at this point. How much do you think the Michael Vink transfer influenced this? Does uh, does Jay Vine? He's like, no, I want to be the top the top esports guy. So I'm going to go to the team and then he'll have to play second fiddle. Is it is it a campaign by my Woosh and UAE to transform Jay Vine from being the Zwift Academy guy to, we don't know the level that this goes to. You're going to have to provide the context, I think, for a lot of listeners out there on what oh, sorry. we're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> just, just wrote two articles last week about this because nothing else going yeah. on and suddenly I'm <laughs> one of the world experts. Michael Vink got signed. Well, he's, a, he's a Kiwi guy, I think, who got signed. I think he's fairly old he's been uh sort of rattling around the continental circuit for a while and then he was riding virtually on my whoosh uh which is a platform i believe owned by a uae company to some extent right and maybe we had to fill, fill in the gaps yeah well actually my it's a similar thing to zwift it's a virtual world that you can do your online training and but the, the my whoosh uh crowd it is uh it's you know it's out of uae is heavily linked with the team. The My Wish logo was on the team kit before anybody even knew what the heck it was. Uh, and and My Wish, as an indoor training platform, are making a big, big push into the virtual world racing space. And at, like for example, at Eurobike this year, they had a huge stand, like bigger than any other indoor training platform. Uh, at at Eurobike, we're really making a, a big push, getting you know p- getting people to try. The, the my wish platform they had like an immersive room where all the walls were like a screen uh, and you could pedal away in this virtual immersive space uh, so that was actually the first thing that crossed my mind when i seen that jay vine had signed for uae was that this is you know he, he has strong connections with the virtual world uh, space and uae and my wish are making a push in that space he is a very natural fit. I don't really buy into 
the idea that they needed yet another climbing domestic, uh, you know, unless they are genuinely <laughs> trying to target victory in all three Grand Tours next year. You know, that, to be very, very harsh about it, Jay Vine, as phenomenally talented he is physiologically, he is not gifted in terms of bike handling. And I don't think they're going to put him directly in front of Tadej Pogacar at any race for the fear of causing <laughs> some sort of incident. Uh, you know, that's something he is working on. Like that's not a that's not a low blow or a swipe at him. He, as I said, phenomenally talented. One, two Volta stages, but the Volta twelve months before that, he got mowed over by his own team care. Um, so. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm not. Yeah, again, I'm not trying to make light of it. I'm just, you know, speaking how I see it. I don't see Yui putting him in the Tour de France squad for anyway. And 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 I think if I was Jay Vine, he might have had a better chance he's, of going to the Tour had he stayed with Alpecin, which has to be ultimately the long term goal for him. He's new to the Pro Peloton. I mean, that's it's like it's, it's totally not surprising in any way uh, that that he would that he would struggle a little bit in that particular scenario. Though. So, Anyway, uh, yeah, we, we want to dig more into UAE and as a team, I think, uh, going forward sometime. Now is maybe not the exact moment to do that, but it is, it's, a, it's an incredibly strong program for next year. It was already very strong this year, but it, it has they've got backups of backups at this point, uh, and that's not something that most, most big GC teams can say. Quite a lot of those names that you read out as well are not only the team for next year, but that is also the team for twenty twenty four, twenty twenty five. They're tying these these riders down to you know very very long term contracts. It's, they're they're they've obviously got bigger ambitions than we even credit them with. And they've got the cash mm. to just ch- chuck it at eighteen year olds and see what see what happens. Basically, yeah. Be it, we should we should uh, Johnny. We should reach out. We should have a chat with whoever does their scouting. That would be a very interesting conversation, I would imagine. Well, interestingly, with the with the Vink signing, I don't know. You know, you never know how true these things are. But someone we we kind of know within the team was talking. We were talking about it, and he he was saying that they during lock, one of the COVID lockdowns, they the riders and some of the staff and coaches were all using the My Woosh platform, and they were like doing some races because they. I mean, they wouldn't. They weren't doing it for this purpose. But the races, you can earn money from it. There's like a prize pool every month, which is not insignificant. I think it might be like ninety two thousand dollars. Which is pretty good. Like, I've obviously never even thought about it. <laughs> I'd be, but uh, I'd be, I'd be paying. I, you know, but the guys, uh, the, uh, they saw him with doing out- outrageous power numbers, and so then he just sort of was popping up, popping up at the front with all those guys. And uh, yeah, that's one way to get signed to the World Tour, I guess. Now, just make get in a race with a bunch of coaches and World Tour pros, and just. Yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna see more and more of that for sure. Let's guys, we we do have a we have a nerd nugget today. We're an hour in <laughs> somehow in the off season with nothing to talk about. I should just I, I should to be very clear, you know, we we have a meeting before this podcast where we talk about what we're gonna talk about, and today we were like. What are we going to talk about? There's, there's not a whole lot going on. And yet somehow we turned into an hour. So we hope you all uh, have been entertained. We do have one more thing on the list today, which is jean shorts. Are they jean shorts or are they short jeans? The, uh, like, uh, uh, serious question. Are they just like designed to look like jeans or are they actually denim fabric? 
They're apparently actually denim. So so they're not Carrera they're early not 90s kit. No. Yeah. Okay. So, so somebody somebody explain to me what on earth okay. you're talking about. I've got I've got the like the press release stuff up here. So shall I just shall I just yes. talk shall yes. I just talk from it? We'll try. It. Uh, yeah. So apparently they were unveiled. They're from the Italian brand Rosti, who supply actually I'm pronouncing that right. Who supply the AG2R uh, Citroen's team kit, and they were they were unveiled recently. And because they were unveiled, and it's the off season, and they're from the same brand, it's prompted rumors. That maybe AG2R Citroen are going to be riding in the denim shorts. They are made from a mix of 48% cotton, 22% recycled polyester, 15% polyester, and 15% elastane. Um, they've been in development for some time, and with the with the AG2R team, and some of the product testers had ridden 2,000 kilometers in them to prove that they won't chafe and won't hold on to hold on to moisture. And there's a dec- decorative belt loop and dummy coin pockets. And it looks like there's different colors of denim on the different panels of denim on the shorts. Uh, so, so, <laughs> so there's a company that makes like riding jean short things now. It's called Ripton. Okay. R-I-P-T-O-N. Uh, but primarily for like the gravel set. That's primarily where they found, found some success. Um, in fact, I believe our our colleague Betsy Welsh over at Velenus, she might have ridden in these things at Unbound this year. I can't remember. She's ridden in, in a bunch of big gravel events, like big long days in the saddle. And she rode in these Ripton jeans, which I imagine they're kind of similar construction to what we're talking about here, which is, you know, a, a, a jean with a fair amount of stretch going on, a, a, a jegging. A short jegging. That, <laughs> we're getting outside of my my uh, area of expertise. I never thought I'd hear you moment. say the word jegging. That's sort of <laughs> blow my mind a little bit. Uh, anyway, these, these there's another version of this that exists out there already, and and it has proven to be you know usable over long term. I'm not sure at the Tour de France where the peak performance is more important than the vibe. Uh, that we're going to see a whole lot of uptake of the jean short, but it is certainly entertaining to think about. Special edition for the Saitama Criterium. Mm. They did? No, I'm saying this. That's that's where where we'll see it. We'll see it. We'll see it raced at the Saitama Criterium. I don't know. Maybe if there's another tour stage into Nîmes, famously the home of Denim, then we'll see like like AG2R put them on for one stage. That's a pretty good show. <laughs> is or, it? Uh, or the Paris... St- the pa- <laughs> well, the- we're talking about jean shorts here. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe the Paris stage and they'll just go... They'll go straight from the champs under the champs. Oh, yeah. Into the duplex mm. and not even have to change. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not sure that more time in the duplex is a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure the duplex is even open at eight o'clock in the evening <laughs> when the stage is over. Or, or they may close for you. Sorry, I'm, that's what I'm saying. They may close the door to you if you turn up at these things. <laughs> they, they don't strike me as the most breathable uh, pair of bib shorts that I've ever seen. You know, I, 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 no. I, I, I do have to wonder why. Mostly, mostly that's what I'm wondering is why, <laughs> and, and, and why, like yeah, the why part I can thought. understand. Yes, they look, they look. You know, it's a, it's a it's a vibe, but 
why go to the bother of having AG two R writers test them? You know, the, I just I, I don't see the AG two R writers racing with these. Um, and surely there would have been a better a better well, well the test writer than the the company Sagia 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 who are like producing them. They they say, and you can trust them because it's them talking about their own products. It's the perfect blend of both a fashionable and technical garment. So, mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. what more? You, rusty. I like the big pocket in yeah. the back. It's rusty. Mm. I found the big pocket slightly unsettling. <laughs> <laughs> um, but they are—they're available for pre-order in December at the end of this year for delivery in February. And they only cost 169 euros, so more than a pair of Levi jeans. The the weird thing is, I I took my daughter for a train ride to, uh, well, just down the train line a couple of stops over the weekend and got an ice cream and stuff. But uh, my wife had dressed her in a pair of jeans and brown boots that I, I'd never seen my daughter wearing such a get up before. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and they kind of struck me. The, the jeans, it, this is before I seen this offering from Rusty, uh, but. It was noticeable how how much more comfortable my daughter's jeans were, or at least how much more comfortable they appeared than the jeans that I was wearing. Mine's were very tough, and you know the the way you expect denim to be, whereas hers was much more like the kind of fit and feel of a cycling bib short. And now, fast forward two days later, two days is all it's taken them to turn what they've seen my daughter wearing into a finished product that will be available to the cycling world in February 2023. I was going to ask, was your, was your daughter secretly one of the product testers for this and had already cut you out? Well, if, it, if she was, it was a secret to me also. <laughs> well, that's a great way to wrap up this episode. Uh, I, <laughs> we love the, uh, I love the off season. I, it's I, my f- I was going to say, do you want to wrap up the uh, wrap up the show with me taking a photo in the photo booth? Yes. Yes. Okay. I, yes. Gonna... Absolutely. Great audio content. Yeah. Not really. No. Okay. <laughs> it can be the thumbnail for the Ron- podcast. Ronan's going to video it, and then you'll be able to you'll be able to see it. So I'm reaching out. It says, "Press the button." Okay. I'm pressing the button. It's telling me to look at the camera, and you're going to see a big flash. I think. We're going to hear it. It's telling me to stay still. Oh, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> big flash I saw it saw it go there we go that was very exciting alright so that photo we'll, we'll do something oh it's doing it. another one it's doing another one. Oh why <laughs> make it stop <laughs> uh, I think what we really right. need also is a photo of the people who made you leave at the start of the podcast <laughs> It keeps keeps flashing. I don't know how to turn it off now. Let's do another one. Okay, we need to just... (laughs) Well, it's going to give you that whole sheet. I mean, you've you've been in these things before. It's going to give you like a bunch of them because you're supposed to go in there with your your significant other. And a few drinks. Make make different, you know, versions of kissy face and things like that. And I'm just in here recording a podcast. He's too young. <laughs> <laughs> have you ever seen Amelie? Oh yes, yes, of course. Yeah, I've sent, okay. I get there it now. I forgot. Go. I forgot. This this yeah, this yeah, hour yeah. has changed to what I remember a photo booth to be. So, <laughs> so yeah. All right. Uh, to all of our listeners out there, we love you very much. Thank you for sticking with us through the off season. Uh, I like I, I love the off season. It gives us some space to talk about some other things. Uh, we hope we entertain you, inform you. And we'll be back next week. 
<laughs> you know what I realized? I was listening to another podcast the other day. You thought we were done. Uh, <laughs> I was listening to another podcast the other day. And at the end, the host thanked all of the other people on the podcast for joining him. And I feel like, I was like, why don't I? So thank you, Johnny, for joining us from the photo booth. I don't think I deserve your thanks for how much I've sort of derailed the natural <laughs> recording of this and interrupted your lives. I'm going to thank you anyway. Ronan, thank you for joining this week's podcast. You're welcome, but I yeah, cannot believe that you enjoyed that. So yeah, but. <laughs> I enjoyed it very much. Kit, thank you. Excellent contributions today. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> All right, we'll be back next week. Bye, everybody. Bye.